we were talking here about the karma. And um, out of the four most important characteristics of karma, we last week we have recovered karma is definite. So with the various examples. And uh, the examples given here, since it is a, a traditional teaching that come from India during the Buddha's lifetime. The stories are, are the, or rather the incident. Whatever we are giving here is it's a traditional Indian story. So it is sometimes it is relevant in the modern times, sometimes it's not so much relevant as it there. And however, uh, the point, whatever is arising out of these stories are very much relevant and it doesn't change at all. Um, as far as the karma is concerned, whatever the effect of the karma on the individual's life, as much they have effect uh, before, it is as that much we have effect today. And particularly, the karmic points are so funny these days. You know, in, uh, we have seen in Tibetan, the earlier the karmic points, you know, the cause and effects, takes a life after life to go around. And nowadays, the modern times, it takes uh, just a finger to round, you know, it goes around with the finger, so it comes very quickly. It is one because of, uh, uh, one because uh, I think everything functions very fast in uh, modern days compared with the earlier, as we know. The another thing is what this traditional religion, like Buddhism, particularly referred to this period as a degenerated age. Degenerated age, in a way, it is a strange to call degenerated age. We are all very much developed. We are all very much awareness is much more than what we used to be. And our understanding uh, even is far more, whether it is spiritual or even scientific or spiritual or whatever it is, our, our understanding, even the spiritual understanding, awareness of the people and all this, are much more than before. However, and still they're called degenerated age, and there's a truth in that. The truth on this, as much as awareness we have, and that much uh, opportunity 
of a rising negativity within us as well as a positivity within us. So, since our habitual patterns and our addi- or the addictions, whatever you may like to call it, our habitual patterns or our addictions do bring the negativity more than positivity within us. We, we have no problem of creating a negative karma. And we do have a problem of creating a positive karma. Uh, not much the problem what we face today is not like the traditional style. The traditionally, uh, you know, not knowing or that sort of way. But today, we create much more negativity um, in the disguise of wisdom. In the disguise, well, I'll rather call it disguise, or rather in the form of wisdom, rather in the form of analyzing, rather in the form of, uh, um, in many ways, we do create uh, negativity. The way and the point how we create, in my thinking, it's different than what we used to create. The, in traditionally, we used to create negativities, either point of attachment or hatred or, or things like that. And today we create differently, much more differently. Uh, though it is attachment, but it's not a traditional attachment. Not so much of hatred, and much less than it used to be. All our negativities today, I don't know, but maybe it's a powerful tool, more powerful than it used to be. And that's what we do. And if you watch ourselves, and if you read the, the traditional teachings, and... Uh, if you watch ourselves and if you read the traditional teachings, we will notice this. Uh, traditionally, uh, we get uh, we get attached to a people just because of attachment, attraction. Uh, where I think we create negativity today and the old time is totally different. Old time. People will play, we play a lot of, in other words, it's become sophisticated. I mean, to tell you the truth, it become very sophisticated. And our sort of, you know, our way of approaching, it becomes sophisticated. And so, where we create a negativity, where we create a positive, it also becomes sophisticated. 
So, and that's what it is. So it might not even look like negativity, might not even look like uh, attachment, might not even look like hatred, but it sort of looks like analyzing, or maybe in the, that's why I, from the beginning I try to sort of going around and saying in the disguise form of wisdom. In that manner, we create much more these days. And the, the negativity is what we create is much more sophisticated than it traditionally people create. And so the coming consequences of it, it is also more sophisticated. Um, as much as we created sophisticated and that much uh, this uh, sophisticated comes out the result. And when we try to deal with that, I think we also have to deal um, accordingly. So that's why there's the Bajrayana's way of dealing with the negativity is very much suitable in the today's world rather than conventional way. Rather than, you know, normally we talk about Theravadan traditions of avoiding contact or a little bit of a, a Mahayana tradition of maybe, maybe you can handle it and sort of, sort of proceed with um, caution. You know, when you have a, when you dive through the sort of, you know, the urban, no, the rural areas. And sometimes when the road is comfortable, and then you can pass around. And then when you don't have, the road is not that big. And then there will be signs, they will pass with caution. And then even, then in some places there's no passing at all. You just have to follow it. And very much in that manner, way we handle the negativity is also very much like that. So since we're creating the negative karma in very sophisticated way, and uh, how we handle that has to be a little sophisticated rather than uh, symbol black or white. Uh, I've been accused of not having a room for gray uh, when I first came in the United States for a long time. They have to be either white or black or black or white, there's no gray. So now, yeah, I think there's a lot of grays there. <laughs> so anyway, no matter whatever, how sophisticated it might be, whatever it is, um, the principles of the definite, fast growing, one doesn't meet with the result if you have not created the cause. And if you have created the cause, no matter whatever you do, you are bound to get the, the result, no matter whatever you do. And these four principles are applicable. And it was applicable 2,500 years ago, and it is still applicable today. So when you look at the karma, uh, it's so, I mean, in a way it's a symbol, cause and effect. 
whatever the cost you do, you get a similar result. That is as simple as that. And however, you have to see how this principles functioning. So as as I'm saying, the last week we have covered that uh, principle of uh, karma is definite, with the certain examples of the old traditional examples. We have covered that. And today, what I'd like to cover is the fast growing. So those of you who have read the liberation in palm, and I'm quite sure they have given a number of examples in that, right? Did anybody read it? So what examples did they give in the liberation in palms? Uh, maintaining a way of life that involves creating negative causes uh, on and on and on in an unconscious way. I think the example that I remember is Kaboka talks about a butcher, uh, and this is his livelihood, and he needs this to live, and so he has to commit these acts over and over, and he also is, gets much less aware that he's, that he's committing them or that they have a meaning. Now that is, uh, that is another question, yeah, another example. Now suppose if you are livelihood, I mean, the way or how you get paid your bills, and if it's a binatural, it is a negative fun- negativity, like a butcher, yeah. I mean, it's a profession. The professionally, you have to butcher. I mean, the butcher is the person, but uh, when you kill the animal, you butcher. So that is, is a negative action. If you have a, a, such a, a, a natural, I mean, if you are professional, if your profession is such, what would you do? And that is another question, this sort of thing. I mean, if you can, you will definitely change. You know, I do know, I do know one person uh, by name of uh, Papa Max. <laughs> uh, you know this Lama Yeshe, you have heard, right? You have heard about Lama Yeshe, you have not made him, but the Lama Yeshe's, um, in the, I think, late 70s and early 80s, right? Late 70s and early 80s, the Lama Yeshe been traveling around and gave a lot of teachings and uh, helped a lot of people, huge centers and throughout everywhere in the world. Among them, I know two persons, and the one Australian guy called Papa Max and the one American uh, black lady called Mama Max. <laughs> uh, Papa Max is a very, very nice guy. I mean, extremely nice guy. And by the time when I know him, it was in Delhi, and he comes and takes teaching and lessons. And then he was a monk, a full-fledged monk, a full big show. Very nice person. And later, I came to know uh, his background. And he was a butcher in uh, Mervyn, Australia. He's a butcher. 
So the Lama Yeshe is on the tour and uh, he's giving a teaching in Mervin. I think he's talking about the karma. And uh, Papa Max uh, happens to be attending that uh, lecture. And uh, then I think he repeatedly came in there for a couple of days. And uh, finally, I mean, he could foretell, uh, sell his shop, uh, because he can foretell. You know, I mean, he has, he has made enough money. That's why he can foretell. And he sold his uh, shop and uh, he went to left, uh, he went to Nepal and uh, had a retreat and meditated for a while. And a year later, he became a monk. And uh, he's a still monk. Now could be like, you know, uh, 14 or 15 years of monk. So, uh, Papa Max is an you know, example. He can afford to give up his uh, uh, thing because he's uh, quite a well-to-do. And uh, and also he used his, uh, the lot of the, the wealth what he has is he used it for good cause, particularly for saving lives and things like that. So any project of that, you know, like, you know, saving a life, whether it is uh, buying a fish from the, the fishers market from India, in India, or buying a chicken uh, that they're going to be slaughtered, or wherever it is, is it the Papa Max who carries a bunch of Indian rupees and buying them all the time. So, sort of, that's what he does. And that is uh, one example. Uh, in one way, it is important that one has to have respectable life, but, on the other hand, if your profession is such that it is creating a difficulty and a suffering for others, it might not be a worth for the individual. Uh, because, you know, as a Buddhist with the background, we have to always think not only the life where we are born until we die, but the life after life. The thing called reincarnation, and that is something very long and, what do you call it, sitting in news. Yeah, it is strenuous. That's the, that's the word I'm looking for. It is. One of my teacher, uh, called Genyundu Rumbuchi, he is the first teacher who taught me the Tibetan alphabets, how to read and memorizing things, as well as the Lamrim meditation. He's a great guy and a student of Pabongka. He has very, very, very few students, but there are four or five students that what he have. All are great teachers, with the exception of me. All are great teachers, yes. And when Ken Rumbaji passed away, Ken Yundu Rumbaji, it is during the winter, I remember, I was a little kid, and I'm still, and I was a kid, 
And Gyanumiti passed away this winter. And they say he's very sick and this and that, and I don't know. And the day when he passed, I was in Debung Monastery, in Debung. He was in Lhasa, and he's sick in Lhasa. And there's a very wealthy family, noble, noble, noble family called Shata, who is the family who used to sponsor Tsongkhapa way back from the 1400s. Tsongkhapa's sponsor family is a very wealthy, rich family, um, like building down. When they sponsored Tsongkhapa in 1400s, probably 100 years or a couple of hundred years, even before that, must be a tradition family, you know, in that. Again, which was living there in their house, and he was sick, and he passed away. When he passed away, the day when he passed away, he came in Debung. I mean, that is what we saw. One of my teachers who used to be with me for 24 hours always sits there, because I sort of, I have to, I've been naughty, so I have to be scared of it, so he sits there. And even when he's not there, they used to put uh, some kind of pillow inside his blanket and leave it there and the little dark dim. That's why I always want a bright light all the time. Because dream light, you don't really see it and you're not sure whether the person is there or not. You know, sort of, you know, you're scared of it. So, so game, game Benjol again is living there and I'm sitting there and suddenly game Yundurum walked in through the room. So I got up, he got up, and then Gyanumbucha walked by and looked in the statue in the altar room and looked by. He took off his sort of respected way, took off his clothes and looked by the altar way. And looked at me and smiled, looked at him and smiled, then went away. Then they said, stay, stay, or something, you know, how, are you, how are you feeling? He sort of ran away, and outside he's not there. So Gyanumiti passed away. Actually, that was the time when he really passed away. It happened to be. Anyway, the why, the why I said this reason is when he was uh, sick for a long time, he couldn't speak. He had a stroke and couldn't speak for a long time. Long time living in that particular family. And then, day before he died, and, uh, and he spoke. He got a batter and he spoke. And he spoke and um, the family, the members members of the family, they're not there. They're all in India. So they, they do have a, a lot of those managers, the manager for East, West, and South, and North, that type of thing. There's a council of managers, they'll function. Actually, these big families, you know, the family members are really the prisoners, and the managers, council, they control you, everything, even what you eat today, you know, sort of thing. So, the, he, so he called the council of the managers in, and he spoke to them, and he said, and he told them, I'm sick, and uh, he said, it is not my personal problem, it is a family's, this particular family's problem. So you have to be all, have to be very careful. He said, when you really have to experience this on your physical body and the mind, when you have to experience that, 
and then he used the word strenuous. Is that that is strenuous when you have to experience on your physically, on the physical or on your mind emotionally. When you have to experience that, that is strenuous, and that's what he mentioned, and that's all he said, and then he. And then he said, "I prayed to Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. I could speak and tell you this, and I think they have given me opportunity to speak, and that's all I have to say. And that's a, that's what he did to that family. So that's why I remember that word. 